Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you. My name is Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful Monday morning. You know, looking outside and just appreciating this lovely warm winter weather that we're having. We have better winters than some countries have summers. Anyhow, on that positive note, um, let me tell you that this week we're going to be talking about cleft palates and uh, cleft lips. So uh, it's, it's very, very interesting and it affects more people than you realize. Joining me in studio is uh, Kalita Hoffman. She is a mom. She's a blogger. She's got a two-and-a-half-year-old child who was born with a, with a full um, cleft, cleft, uh, cleft lip and cleft palate. Um, we're going to be talking to her, find out her experiences, and get that story because often we learn more through narration and through storytelling than we do through any other means. So uh, welcome, Kalita. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'd also like to welcome Hedley Lewis. He's the CEO of the Smile Foundation. No stranger to this station, for sure. Thank you for coming in. Thank you so much. It's uh, always great to be here. As long as there's lots of smiles, we're here. <laughs> and I like your business card, by the way. His business card is Lip Ice, and it says the Smile Foundation. It's awesome. So clever. Very, very clever. All right, Hedley, I want to start with you. Um, Run us through the different types of uh, cleft palates and cleft lips. I always thought that it was just, you know, cleft. <laughs> it was one, that it wasn't, uh, you know, that there weren't two different distinctions. So I think, I think to start that the, the first thing is that there's a myth that it only affects the lip because there are often circumstances which is it's purely only reflecting and it only actually um, is the palate which is on the inside. And most people think that a cleft or cleft lip or cleft palate is only what you can actually see as well, which is the other myth about it, because the, the palate um, is obviously, in layman's terms, it's, it's a hole that's in the palate. Um, and people can go through life and no one would actually know about it. it they'd mask it. Um, just recently, I think two weeks ago, we met, a, we met a lady that's had a cleft palate. She's 26. She's never had it um, repaired. Um, sadly, she didn't know that she could have it repaired, which is which is another scenario. And their long-term uh, problems that obviously will evolve in the form of speech, um, infection control, eating, that, that would come out of that. But I think that the most common is obviously the cleft lip. And um, once again, it can either be, um, once again, in a layman's term, it can be a hole in the one side, it can be a bilateral cleft which is both sides or you're actually going to get a cranio and a facial cleft which is a cleft which goes all the way down the, down the face which is not renowned to, to the public but that's more a cranio and it's more severe um, I'm not saying which is severe and which is not but that's not often seen as a cleft either When you say um, a cleft on one side or bilateral, both sides, what do you actually mean? Because if I open up my mouth and I feel the top of my palate, it's one, it's one part. It doesn't seem to have two parts. So the, the palate, you, you could only have, you possibly would only have one hole. But if you're looking at a single or bilateral cleft, if you look at your lip, it can have a hole in the one side, a hole in the other side. Ah, okay, okay. So the lift, lip, almost underneath your, your nostrils. Or you can have both, yeah. um, and then or and then what people would see is they'd see a piece of skin that would be in the middle, right? And and that's unfortunately the one that people more more um, ostracised, to tell you the honest truth. And they they have different names, and in different cultures, it's the families are totally ostracised in the various areas. Um, yes, yeah, so I mean, cleft lipid palate can come in different forms, different. Um, Times and it can also be different causes as well. Uh, most people think that it's just birth defects. Uh, it's not a true cleft, but we. But Smile Foundation has seen patients that are coming due to accidents where the lip has been split, and it can still be considered a, a cleft, cleft. But the child fell off the a bark, and often some of the scenarios and the way that the professionals, which are in the hospitals, obviously not myself, would deal with it, could have some similarities as well. 
Okay. When you say different times, so that's what you mean, where it could be from a, from an accident as well, later in life. So the majority of clefs people see as as birth orientated and a birth defect, and um, there are also the various reasons why clefts come about. And unfortunately, um, cleft lip and palate is not something that there's been a hell of a lot of research into. Um, there's been a lot, but if you have a look in comparison to HIV or TB, there's probably minimal, minimal research that can actually pinpoint why it could be. And probably because it affects far less people than HIV or TB. Absolutely, um, 100%. But when you're thinking that the numbers are 1 in 700 to 750, it wow, affects a lot of a lot children. that's actually a lot more common, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, it's something that SMILE would love to see more more research, but unfortunately, you have to spend the money on, on now and here. So you're helping on helping the families in the various areas and what, what they need now. There is some research being done across the globe, but nothing that will absolutely pinpoint it. Is it genetic? Or is it just purely def- um, developmental? So, so it, could be gen- it could be genetic. There are areas and there are um, different reasons that that the, the research that we have says that it possibly could be genetic. There are often areas of malnutrition, of alcohol abuse that have been said. Um, all of these are possibilities. Um, but but if, the, if you take the layman's term, and once again, I'm not a medical expert, it's really about bone or muscle or skin that has not joined within within the vitro. And there are various reasons. So you don't know if it was malnutrition. You're not sure if there was alcohol consumption. But th- those are all items or areas that have been surmised. Um, and we haven't had something specific. Um, there is a thought that not enough folic acid could be one of the reasons. Um, if I may well, interject on I this I can see one. you've just been, you've been quite, itching to be part of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite passionate about this. And the reason I'm passionate about this particular question is because of my personal situation. So um, with my son, I knew I was going to get pregnant. Well, I, well, I was trying to get pregnant. Um, I took all the right things. I took all the all the right um, vitamins, vitamins and, and I took additional folic acid. I was not consuming alcohol. I was not taking drugs. I was eating all the healthy, good things. I was avoiding all the foods that you're supposed to avoid. Um, I was fit. I was healthy. I was living in a you place. You still look pretty fit and healthy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I was living in a place that was in, you know, a, a, a safe, healthy environment, if that's something you think about. Um, I was not in any ex- environment where I was exposed to chemicals. Um, so I, and, and as far as genetics go, um, my family had never heard of them, had, you know, had never heard of clefts. So there was no one in our extended family that we even knew of that And even had on your cleft. husband's side? Even on my husband's side. Um, we had a very, very distant cousin that um, was so many... It's always those cousins. Uh, and so removed that it has no genetic link. We had wow, all the genetic counseling wow. that exists. So I think I'm a classic example of the fact that for, it's not genetic for us. It's just a complete anomaly then. Um, and, you know, obviously something happened during formation that is obviously, you know, a birth defect and obviously something did happen. Did you have any traumas or anything? Like no, How nothing. was your pregnancy? It was it was a dream until I found out that I was having a son with a cleft. And how did you find dream. out? Um, so I found out at 20 weeks of pregnancy. I had a scan and the technician said to me, something's wrong. Um, and at first you can actually only, well, in my case, you could only see the lip. It takes quite long to actually see the palate, and for, for some women, you never see the palate, um, just because it's very difficult to get that angle. Yeah. Um, you would need the child's mouth mouth to be open. Um, depending on the technology you have, it's just difficult to see. Um, so we saw the lip um, at, at 20 weeks, and then at about uh, around 30 weeks, we realized it definitely affected the nose because it could or could not affect the nose with the variations that exist. Yes. We knew that it was unilateral, meaning it was one side, and it was the left side for my boy. And then only at the very, very end, in the in the 30s weeks, I think around 34 weeks, we saw that it was definitely palate involvement. But even when you see that, you don't actually know the extent of it until the child's born anyway. That's quite incredible. I mean, if you think that you found out at 20 weeks, I mean, that is an embryo that is still developing. 
it's still developing. How did you know that it was going to be a cleft and that, that it wasn't just going to continue developing? Well, um, most people say, again, I'm not a medical professional, but by between six and eight weeks of, of gestation, it should be formed. Okay. So by 20 weeks, it's probably not going to. Um, again, I'm not a medical professional, yeah. but you know, you can live in a world where you just hope for the best and you do hope for the best. Yeah. Um, but at about six weeks, and a lot of women don't even know they're pregnant at this point. It's already too late. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, Hedley. <laughs> okay, so let me just tell you that uh, I've got in studio with me Hedley Lewis. He's the CEO of the Smile Foundation. And also Kalita Hoffman. She's a mom. She's a blogger. And uh, she's a very proud mom of a two-and-a-half-year-old two little boy. His name is Raziel. That's correct? Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, and we're going to be talking about cleft palates, cleft lips. If you've got experience, if you uh, want to join the conversation, this is how you do it. You can send an SMS on 34519. You can also send a telegram if you have the telegram app. If you don't get it, if you don't have it, get it. It's free. Why not? And that number is 0618951019. You can also email on air at highfm.com. I'm Kathy Kalen. This is the Discam Medical Monday. Coming back, we're talking about cleft palates. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you. My name is Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me for this Discam Medical Monday. We're talking about cleft lips. We're talking about cleft palates. And one in 700, between 700 and 70, 750 people will be affected. That's quite a staggering amount when you consider that that's pretty common, actually. Yeah. So I'm joined in studio by Hedley Lewis. He's the CEO of the Smile Foundation. We're going to talk a little bit later about what they do. Right now we're just establishing all the knowledge about cleft lips, cleft, cleft palates. I'm also joined by Kalita Hoffman. She's a mom of two-and-a-half-year-old Raziel, and uh, he was born with a unilateral, did you say, which U- is the one yeah. side, unilateral, cleft palate and cleft lip. Um, which means that it's the one side of his face and it goes all the way into the nostril. Is that yes. correct? It's, it's complete. It's complete. It can be incomplete. For him, it's complete. Okay. And uh, we're going to be finding out about her story and her narrative and her experience. And uh, if you know anybody who should be listening to this program, give them a call now and tell them. And we'd love to hear from you. This is how you get in touch. You can SMS 34519. Those SMSs are charged at 150. You can also send a telegram on 0618951019. We're back to sending telegrams. You can even email from anywhere in the world on air at highfm.com. Okay, Hedy, I want to come back to you. And Kalita, you're welcome to just jump in any time. Sorry, nine, Kalita. Are cleft palates and cleft lips linked to any other birth defects? So once again, the, the, the research is so zero that, that there's nothing so we that actually you could don't just know. tie it in. So as you can see, like I, I've put a whole lot of things that are possibilities. In Kalita's case, probably zero of them. Um, but, but, but you do get t- warned along the pregnancy process that it is a possibility for you because there are various syndromes um, that can come with clefts as well um, and you get warned or at least I did that you must you must plan and it could come with anything so it could be isolated or could not in our case it was isolated but you don't know until the child's with you born checked and and in fact as they grow up that's still something that medical professionals will, uh, will keep in mind it's part of the the unknown that that when you've got a cleft lip or cleft palate um, and, and that's probably the biggest challenge to, to people that actually have seen the, uh, the scans before the birth is because then you're worrying about the run-up. But For it's also sh- preparing you. It does. Sometimes it creates even more yeah. stress, to tell yeah. you the truth, and, and Kalita probably can speak more about that. Yeah. But um, there, there's so many unknowns with anything. And the other challenge is that any defect, any abnormality, not just clefts, you don't know what the ramifications are until they actually arrive. Some of the things they can predict, some of them things they can say. I mean, there, there's certain things that are easy to say that if you've got a cleft speech, it's probably going to be problematic. And, and those are diagnoses that are easy to make. Whether there will be a syndrome or, or the child will be syndromic, those are areas that some experts, by, by seeing scans, may be able to decipher. 
but very few will probably put their head on a block and say they're absolutely sure until they've examined the Peter's been involved and they've actually got a full scope of, of the, the, the baby once the baby's born. And you, and, you, and you have choices. So your choice is when you're pregnant, if you find out when you're pregnant, that you can choose to have an amniocentesis. Yes. You can choose, choose to have blood Which testing. Which is risky in and of itself. Which is risky. Um, at, at the time, I got informed that it was a half a percent chance of miscarriage. Um, when you're in one in 700, that half a percent is quite significant. Yes. Um, but the point is that even if you do have the amniocentesis, you don't necessarily find out all the information you need. Um, and on this particular point, you and, and, and many of the tests don't actually give you the information you need or, or really help you to a lot of the syndromes that are, well, linked with cleft. And also the only other option you have is termination. So at this you know, what are you going to do? You can't really do anything while the baby's, you know, in utero, but you, your choice is termination. So many women, unfortunately, do decide to terminate. Others um, decide to keep it and sit it out and take the risk of possible syndromes or or not. Listen, organizations like the, File, the Smile Foundation make it much easier to make that decision not to terminate, right? Well, at the end of the day, it's your choice as a, as, as a, as woman, a woman, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a whole different, it's a whole can of worms uh, that, that you know, people have very strong opinions about. I, just, I got the choice. So I had medical professionals who said, do you want to terminate? Do you want to terminate? Um, and each time I went to, back to the doctor, they said, are you sure you don't want to terminate now? Um, and I made the decision not to. But I recently heard a story about a mother at a private hospital in Johannesburg that um, s- saw that her, t- her her little girl would be born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate and said, this is just too, too, you know, too much for me. So, and there's no judgment from my side. I think it's a, sure. it's a personal decision, but it's, sure, it's, it's a there. very personal decision. It's there. All right. Talking about personal decisions and stories, let's talk about your story. 20 weeks, you go for your scan. You've been trying to fall pregnant. You've taken the right things. You've done the right exercises. You've taken your temperature. And you are pregnant. You go for the scan. First child. And you hear this word. The cleft word comes into your life. Like many moms will tell you that have, that had children with clefts, this, just this word comes into your life. And for me, I didn't know much about it. I think it was a word that I kind of knew about, but not something that I really understood. Um, and all you hear is cleft and you hear something's wrong with your baby. So all the rest of the information you're getting from your ultrasound tech or from your doctor, for me, didn't resonate. I just heard this word. I know, I know something is wrong, and you are, well, I was absolutely heartbroken. Um, and I, I've, sp- I've spent a lot of time thinking about this process, and the first thing is that you are completely shocked because the naive person I was then, I just didn't expect anything to, to, to be wrong, um, and I didn't know what to make of it. And... Going forward, I had to do a lot of research into what it actually meant and get into all the details and, and, and again, make the subsequent decisions. But you just get this information and you have to accept it. So for me, I went through a process of, for the rest of my pregnancy, in fact, A, grieving the child that I thought I was going to have and accepting the child I was going to have um, because it's it's in a, it's difficult to say this, but it is a, a certain level of grief. You, you have to accept my child's going to be born with a defect. Right, because yeah. what you're mourning is your expectation versus the reality. And fear. So fear, is the child going to come with other issues? Am I going to be able to handle those? Is the child going to be healthy on all the other spectrums? And What a I was, mammoth decision to make. I remember once somebody said to me, some random person said to me, you know, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm feeling okay. And they, he said, well, as long as everything's healthy. And uh, those small comments, you know, are completely, I, I, I would break down. But I eventually went through, you know, I eventually got to a point where I've embraced, I've embraced that cleft word and cleft is a, a part of my everyday life and I, I, I've, I chose to embrace it. Um, okay, so this puts a whole new spin on the first pregnancy. Um, were you healthy during your pregnancy? I was healthy during my pregnancy. And, and, and funny enough, when, when my son was born... Um, this might sound strange to others, but he was healthy. So he was born with a cleft lip and palate, complete. So the whole, it was the entire palate, a whole lip. It affected the nose very severely, but he was healthy. He, he, he was four kilos. He was well. He was fine. He, he, he went into the, into the ICU as a 
preventative thing more than anything because he, he he was well. Um, we needed to learn how to f- how to feed him, which is which is the immediate challenge. Which I, you know, which is a okay. So thing. so let's okay. So your first your first scan twenty weeks. That's when you get hit with the word cleft. Yeah. Right. You have your next scan at thirty six weeks. No. So actually, um, when I had my, I was kind of considered high risk because of it. So I ended up having scans on a monthly basis. Really. Yeah. So I had many, I had plenty scans. I have beautiful pictures of this little baby in my stomach with a wide open smile. Um, and so we kept seeing the development and we yeah. would, you know, kept getting a little bit more information as we had more scans. Okay. And as your pregnancy progressed and your information grew, you were just in a state of preparation? Preparation. Um, there's good and bad. So mm. you, you know, you do homework. One of the things that, I sometimes tell people with general medical things is it's difficult to Google. You have to be so cautious with Googling. Oh, Dr. Google. Yeah. Dr. Google is awful, but you have to, you know, I was lucky enough to have time to prepare myself and to get kind of my ducks in a row to set my expectations, um, to research, you know, specialty feeders, different bottles, um, medical treatment. Um, again, you, you, you can't really do, deal with it until the baby's there because you really don't know the extent. But you kind of wrap your head around this is what's going to be, and your and your um, delivery and everything was absolutely normal. Yes, and because you were high yes. risk, did they did they? They had a lot. I had a big team waiting for me. Really, they had, a, they had a pediatric team. Everyone was worried what's going to be coming. So he was really just making sure that you got all the attention that you needed. He 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 <laughs> takes all the attention. Never mind me, <laughs> mother. Who's that? <laughs> okay, so uh, he was born normal. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, Healthy what, under what, the circumstances. What's it? Forty weeks. Forty. He was born yeah. at forty-one and a half weeks. Forty-one and a half weeks. Okay. Yes. So he was even like half a week early. Yeah. No, so no. Well, late. Late. Forty-one and a half weeks. He was one and a half weeks late. Okay. Yeah. Forty right. weeks of pregnancy. Slowly, slowly, Kathy. Right. Here we go. Um, Healthy. Um, fine. Normal natural delivery, if you can believe that. Um, and that's it. And he came into the world with a bang. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, how did you? What were your fir- your first impressions? I mean, so you've had this this time to to um, prepare yourself, but now it's real, and here's this little person, and you're being introduced to yourself to one another for the first time. So I think there's just no difference. Was it, di- was it difficult for you? Can no, you it wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult. It that was your beautiful. It was baby the happiest boy. moment of my life. It was the happiest moment of my life. It's my boy. Still your boy. I still, you know, I, I absolutely adored him. I was dying to meet him. He was a beautiful child. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen and, the pictures. And he was then. You know, that's something that I, I'm, I feel quite strongly about. He and was beautiful happy. when I saw him. Yeah. Um, pre-operations, pre-surgery, he was, my, he was my boy. He was my everything. He was perfect in every way. In fact, funnily enough, and a, a lot of moms go through this, it's very difficult to send your child to surgery um, and make you know and, and have surgeons change the way they look you get so attached to this beautiful wide smile and this child the way that they were born that you know you're helping your child to send them into surgery but it's changing my child yeah um and that's a, you know that's an interesting thing again i chose to just completely embrace it um because i just don't feel like i didn't feel like then i don't feel like now that there was any reason to be embarrassed or ashamed or have any bad feelings this is my boy. I'm proud of him. And he's such a strong and amazing child. Um, and this is just who he was. So no no bad feelings. How did you manage with the feeding? Feeding is hard. very, very, very hard. It's very, very hard. I was lucky enough to have help from speech pathologists and doctors and beautiful, you know, and, 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 and bottles that are specialty bottles. Bottles that assist the child to suck because we must remember that a child that has a cleft lip and palate there's no vacuum they can't create a vacuum no vacuum difficulty with suction Um, almost most parents can't breastfeed um, so you bottle feed with a special bottle and there's a couple of them that we have that are not cheap bottles um, but aid the child by the parent assisting with squeezing the bottle and allowing the child to get you know get the liquid in but still the child can't you know, still can't create that vacuum. Yeah, there's still a, that very important bonding process that happens during that feeding, even though it's not breastfeeding, so to speak. And 
Completely. Um, again, feeding your child is a bonding experience, right? And that doesn't change even though your child's having a difficulty. Yeah. What changes is that it's very difficult for the child to feed. It becomes a very stress- stressful process because the child can't always get as much as it needs. And if you fail in the process of, get, of using these bottles, you have to go on to, well, in, in most cases, um, tube feeding. So for us, all we were thinking about is how can we get this, these bottles to work, Make sure it works so that we don't have to tube feed. Yeah. If you've just joined us, I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. We're talking about cleft palates and cleft lips. I'm joined in the studio by Kalita Hoffman. She's a blogger. She's a mom of two and a half year old, um, Raziel. And uh, he was born with a unilateral cleft lip and cleft palate. It was complete. Um, you can actually go to her blog. We'll give you the details in a little while and you can go and check out and you can engage with her directly because you know it sometimes you don't want to send messages into a public forum like a radio station, um, as interesting as your questions may be. But I'd love to hear your interesting questions all the same. You're welcome to um, message anonymously, 34519, that's the SMS line, and those SMSs are charged at 1.50. You can also WhatsApp or uh, Telegram on 061-895-1019. You can do that from anywhere in the world. Also joined in studio by Hedley Lewis. He's the CEO of the Smile Foundation. Uh, we're going to be talking about what the Smile Foundation does. Okay, let's get back to you, Kalita. I mean, Hedley, not to ignore you. <laughs> You're welcome to jump in any time. Uh, I just want to, I want to hear the story and, and the process because I think that we can all learn from your experiences, Kalita. And that's Thanks. why you're such a successful blogger, you know, because a lot of people do want to learn from your experiences and you and you and reach out to you because they are suff- they're suffering. They're going through the same challenges, perhaps it might be a challenge of, you know, they've, they've uh, seen the scans. It's early pregnancy, exactly where you were, you know, three, three years ago. What, what, what is interesting, just on a bit of a tangent, uh, you know, a bit of a, a sad point there is mm. that often the, the the reason people want to hear what I have to say or the reason that people are interested in my story is not actually because they've had a cleft which is also great because I'm you know I'm, I'm so happy to hear from people who are going through it but also because I think in general people struggle with embracing differences and we all have them um, some of them being more blatant and, and, and obvious and others others not um, one of the reasons I'm lucky is because I like to think that I can see my son's difference um, and I can treat it. Yes. Well, there's so many other differences, that, you know, that you are much more difficult to treat in yes. a way. Yes. I say that with a, with a kind of, in, with a little bit of humour because it's it's a very very long process to deal with clefts. So, for example, with my son, he's going to go through around 18 years of treatment. He'll be done with surgeries at around 18 years old. So it is long, but I can see it. We can treat it. And often the questions I get from people is, how did you deal with? people knowing that your child had a difference how did you deal with it that people could see that your child looks different or looked different um how did you deal with it you know recently a lady who whose mother had a stroke said to me i just didn't know how to deal with people's questions and it was not even about me it was about my you know about my mom so that's i think one of the interesting angles how did you deal with it i just felt like you don't have a choice i don't have a choice this is what i've been given I have to deal with my boy. He's I'm I'm proud of him and I adore him. The more I don't speak about it, the more I'm embarrassed about it, the more I have a heavy heart when I get questions, the more firstly and most importantly, my son's going to feel that. And I I never want him to walk through life thinking I was born and something was wrong with me or something is wrong with me and I'm getting it fixed. I want him to walk through life and think this is what I have. I'm dealing with it and I'm not going to let anything stop me. If he sees it from his mother, and then, you know, that's, I think that's the ultimate way to, to feel insecure about a certain thing. Um, again, I don't, you know, I understand women who don't want to take their kids out of their house. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of people who don't want to take their kids out of the house until they've had surgeries, or don't want to talk to people about it, or dismiss the questions. For me, I'd rather say, my son was born with a cleft lip and palate. If I don't have time, go Google it. If not, I'll have a discussion with him. This is what he, you know, this is how he was born. It is treatable. It is a process. And there's nothing wrong with him. 
that can't be fixed and I don't want you to look at him in a different way. It's just it's just it's just physical. It's aesthetic, really. And, well, so, so well, I'm can just going to jump in that it's not just physical because no. because I, I think what what Kalita's drawing on is that there's a lot of emotion. With Kalita, she was actually lucky that she saw in vitro that she knew about the cleft. But we deal with a lot of families that the first time they realize the word cleft is when that baby's placed in mommy's arms. So, so there are two areas that, that we have to realize. And worldwide, it's, they're, they're two totally different scenarios. One is Kalita had that journey of giving birth to a cleft baby, which she knew about, and there are certain mommies that didn't even know it until that baby arrives. I mean, we often see, and, and the feeling is that you, you get married, you think that the next step is having a baby, um, you have the baby, you arrive, it's birthday, it's going to be the golden day of that moment, and then the baby arrives in your arms, and you, you can almost, when the mother describes it, how the whole walls um, the whole building just collapsed around because she just wasn't prepared for it. She didn't know. And part of what SMILE does is we're supporting with psychologists, with speech therapists, and not speech therapists just to talk or to help eat, but to also tell mommy that that, that person's there to help with the journey. Um, we've added the component of having mommy-to-mommy support where mothers can really call a mother and say, listen, this is where we are. Because nobody else is going to understand it like, yeah. a, like another mother, right? Yeah. And, and even like I sit here and, and in my position I probably know about and hear about more, more clefts than, than probably most do, I still can't sympathize 100% with Kalita because I've never been through it. I don't know what it's about, and I might know that I buy bottles. I might know that we have psychologists and this consumable and that, but the actual essence of understanding what it means that at 2 o'clock in the morning, when you need to try and feed that baby, I've never been there, but she has. True. So you have to realize that, that everyone goes through it differently, and even in in just public, private um, who you are, what you are, that the, every scenario is totally different. So even how the different doctors will treat and care for right. clefts, everything is different. So the, one of the challenges, people will phone us and say they've just heard they're going to have a baby with a cleft. What is actually going to be the treatment? And we don't know. And, and not because we don't know, but because there's so many ways of doing it, and every doctor is going to make a difference. And he's going to, and even if you have chosen your surgeon, he's going to say he won't make a decision until the baby's actually arrived, and he will plot the journey. You know, it's it's so interesting. Thank you, Hedley. It's it's so interesting what you say about you not being able to identify as well as you know. I mean, your life is cleft, right? You're the CEO of the Smile Foundation. That's what you do. You deal with more clefts than anybody else. Um, but I think something that Kalita said earlier, which was so poignant and it actually kind of made me want to tear up, was when you were saying that your baby is your baby. And with every and you just love your baby. And with every surgery, there's this conflict. I'm changing my child. My child is beautiful and perfect as he was given to me. And, and, and I think and, that that is just so incredibly powerful, Kalita. And that's also the picture you have in your mind. So you think of your child, and you think of how your child looks. And for three months, or three and a half months of my child's life, I looked at him, and he had a cleft. And then I must send him into surgery, which is very difficult surgeries. And then he comes out, and he looks different. I had walked into the recovery room, and I wasn't actually sure if I'd know what he looked like. And when I did see him, I had to take a second. Because he was he, he, he was completely yep. changed, um, and that's a whole you know that's a, a, a big pull to swallow. I, I'm I'm hearing. I mean, as you're going through this, I can I can identify <laughs> with that. I mean, it's on a very superficial level. Um, <laughs> my, and I'll give you I'll tell you a little short story. But um, when I met my now ex-husband. He had short hair, and then over the years, his hair grew, right? We were like very hip, hippie <laughs> couple. <laughs> and uh, just before his sister got married, he had his hair cut. And all of a sudden, there was a stranger, and I wanted nothing to do with him. <laughs> and I can, so that's a kind of very super, that's a haircut. You know, that, that is something very, very superficial, but I can understand how it just changes 
everything. It's like a new person. And, and it keeps Even going. Even more so when to your child. So one of the misconceptions about clefts, or at least certain types of clefts, is that it's one surgery and it's fixed. So often people will say to me, people all, you, you know, say to me all the time, but he looks perfect now, you're good, you're done. And I say, well, actually, no, I'm not done. Um, my son has many, many surgeries ahead. So I can sit here today and I'm, gonna st- I, I, I'm reflecting on the ones that we've had. And we've only had two cleft um, operations. We have a host ahead of us. And, uh, and again, back to Hedley's point, we don't even know how many we have ahead of us. Um, Why? Why? When well, I see the pictures of him, you know, aesthetically, his, everything's closed, so closed up. So as it appears to you, yes. let's start with that. Okay. Um, secondly, as a child grows, as any person grows, their face changes. Their nose changes, their lip changes, it grows. And you need to fix that. So, for example, even if we, uh, we were to look at pictures of my boy when he first had his lip surgery, his nose does not look the same anymore. Um, and he still looks beautiful, but his nose has dropped. His lip, your, your lip can, um, can drop. You can have um, holes that redevelop along the process. Um, even in the most perfect of situations, you have to keep fixing. Well, you have to keep changing and helping the process. So as they grow, more surgeries are needed. And also certain surgeries you can only have at a certain time in a child's growth. So, for example, a bone graft surgery cannot be done at a very young age. Right. So that well, will only make to sense, be done right. later. Right. So it's a surgery that you just have to sit it out. But there's possibilities of surgeries in between, depending on the child's growth, depending on the child's um, severity of their cleft, and just depending on what happens. So, for example, if a fistula, which is a hole, will develop in a child's palate, you may or may not have to fix that. Um, that is something that I cannot know it is, you know, is going to happen. Some people don't get it at all. Other people maybe get, you know, can get one that doesn't need to be fixed. Others that it's urgent that it gets fixed. So again, it's back to that, that that part of the unknown. How how long does it take a fistula to develop, Hedley? There's no set, so it it could arrive, it couldn't arrive. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Once again, every child is absolutely individual, and I think that's what people don't understand about possibly this specific condition is that you don't know until it happens. Um, maybe there will be a more scientific reason that will come from a medical expert. But from what we've seen and what I've personally seen is you just don't know until it happens. Uh, I mean, uh, scarring could be a reason for a, for a surgery, a, a, a result. And sometimes a child has an accident, which has actually nothing to do with clefts and they can have a surgery, but people go, Oh my gosh, obviously it was cause of the cleft. And and I think that that's what what, what the that the, the other myth and there are lots of myths to clefts is that it's not a once or fix, and you know but also at some stage we've also seen people saying that when they get older and they can start speak or understanding they can also say to their parents enough now, and and that will be their decision at the moment mommy and daddy in Kalita's situation is they making all the decisions. Right. But, I mean, I know, and we can take, let's say, Burns victims, which is slightly different, is they can say, and I know someone now that's, he's 25, he's just said to his parents, look, I've had enough. Just uh, enough I am with the surgeries. I'm actually proud of who I am. Uh, I'm not embarrassed. So, so you know what? Because now they wanted him to have hair implants. And he said, but, but my family's known me without hair for my whole life, basically, since I had the accident. And going back to clefts. Uh, well, what's important, and what I think that some of the things that we've seen and that that Kalita Retley exhumes is that parents are not empowered at a young age how to support their child and to reduce the stress levels. And and who am I really to judge? Because until you're in that situation, you can't. Exactly. However, what, what, what we are seeing now, and I met a 40-year-old cleft survivor the other day, and she said to me that, that she's fixed. I said to her, were you really broken? But that's another story. And <laughs> that I think that's another something that, that, that Kalita actually is coming up with as well. Because I don't believe a child that's, that's got a cleft is, is a broken child. Yeah. But she, she herself said that after all these years, the one thing that she didn't get from her parents was the empowerment to say that I am who I am and I stand by who I am. And even now, she's now working with some of our psychologists just to get that confidence, which is when, when we said that a cleft is, is physical, it is. But there's emotion. So that child at some stage, 
if they, whatever the circumstances are, if, if they've still got it for a period of time, they lose confidence. So when they go out into the world, they, they need to be able to stand up and say, look, my past is my past. And that's some of the challenges that SMILE has because people say to us, well, if you help them at three months, do you know them at 12 years? Often the answer is really no. And it's not because we don't have their contact details. It's because their families have said, you know what, I want to just forget what, I've, what was, was. And now is my opportunity to move on. Some people can embrace it. Some people can't. Or some people are at a position to say that it actually isn't going to make no difference in my life. It's so deeply personal. And I think it's also way. more than just um, like this, that, that, that confidence element. There's, I, I have, look, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and he has been through a lot of trauma. I, and, and, and we deal with on a daily basis the behaviors that manifest from having so much trauma in your early child, you know, in your early life. I'm sure it also changes the kind of parent that you are and towards the child. I mean, the child get away with murder, right? Well, yes and no. <laughs> you know, on the one hand, you, you, you know, certain behaviors, you say, well, this child's been through a lot. Like, let's give him a, yeah, you pick, know, a bit pick of your battles. Yeah. And um, we, you know, we also need to remember that the give child. Give him a gap. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and we also need to remember that the child has well okay let me speak for my child he has speech a speech delay which is related to his cleft he has occupational therapy he has to go to occupational therapy because of a lot of the trauma related you know effects right because it interrupt every op is interrupting his developmental correct. cycle correct I mean, that's feeding is yeah. he's a two and a half year old who barely eats anything not uncommon in clefts He's got oral trauma. He's got sensory trauma. He's got, um, and it's something that you need to contend with on a daily basis. You have a child who's completely frustrated because he's got a speech delay. Um, and that manifests in other ways. Um, so for him, it's not so much confidence, but it's other things that are definitely, you know, are, are certainly psychological. And in time, it's, it's definitely going to be, um, you know, confidence and that kind of thing. And for us, we also, you know, you have to try to deal with a, if these are all, all things that he's going to outgrow, the, yeah. though. But, 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 it's a, so yes, but, it, but, it, but it's certain things that you do need to recognize. Yeah. That it's not just a once-off surgery. That it comes with a package of sure. things and there is a bit of a ripple effect. Yeah. I think that there's important things and like I, I'm the quick one and often I, I say things which, which come across with a joke <laughs> or something like that. But the, the reason I said the, what I did just recently is that Kalita doesn't see her child as broken. And because she doesn't see her child as broken, he needs discipline. He needs boundaries. So it's not the shame child. Mm-mm. And I think that's the important thing Yeah, is that um, he will grow up. If he does something naughty, he needs to be disciplined. If you're that family member that's going to be, oh, shame, and everyone's shame and shame and shame, there will be no boundaries. You're doing a disservice to the child. A hundred percent. And I think that that... That's the key element, and, and I'm going to say this over and over. This is not a broken child. You know, I think that in, in my time at Smile, and it's been almost nine years, there's only been one situation where I felt that the family thought it was a broken child, and it lives with me forever. And I'll never forget, I went into the neonatal, and I, I met this child, and the child has a, had a huge facial cleft, not just the cleft that, that, that people know about. And I lifted up the child which is probably wrong because you don't just lift up a child. But I was so excited to see the child. I traveled a long way to see this specific child with one of our coordinators. And I lifted up the baby and I said, oh, my God, she's just so beautiful. And the grandmother in my ear growled, are you crazy? And, and that, that word, that feeling, and that 30 seconds lives with me forever. And, and no matter what you think, like, and, and – I left that neonatal and it's probably one of the hardest scenarios that I've ever had to deal with because here uh, I see that every child is just a God-given and beautiful baby. When, when I sat with the psychologist because I was so broken about this, I just needed some insight. And she said, well, maybe some people think just because you see it every day, you kind of cut off and you become a stone wall. And, and that wasn't it. What, what broke me is that I, I truly feel that every child yeah. is divine given. But when you, when you think of a child that, that does have a cleft, and look, cleft is just one thing. There are lots of things, and people will deal with their children in various things. Sure. And ostracization is something that, unfortunately, is normal in, in, in the world. I mean, I always say that we don't live in a rainbow country nor in a rainbow world. 
we may put on this facade that color is now going to how we're going to fix our 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 country but truthfully color is just one of them the ostracization of an abnormality or a difference or a way someone speak is far worse often in my opinion than actually color race or religion so if we want to become a, a truly wonderful rainbow nation that's something that needs to be added but i'm not going to become a politician so we're not even <laughs> going to try to join that but it is a thing that that communities don't embrace it communities ostracize it and in our work a lot of the work is trying now to advocate to to just the general communities to say well what is the difference between a child with a cleft or a child that's in your class with a different color because there's actually no difference; they're just different. That's true, but but also, you know, if if one looks at even something like albinism, and how albinism is is treated, you know, in in rural communities where perhaps there is a limited level of education about what causes albinism or autism or you know in cerebral palsy or any of these conditions. Or anything that's different. Yeah. So let's even, you know, you can take it as simple as somebody who has glasses, a child who has glasses, somebody who looks different to other children. It's, 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 it can be so much simpler than something as obvious as a syndrome. Yeah. Well, it's some, it's simpler because people see it as the norm. But we still need to teach our children and we still need to live in a world where we can try and teach our kids how to deal with differences, differences of others and their own. Yeah. I'm just watching the time. I don't want to run out of time, and I do want to talk about the Smile Foundation with you, Hedley. But there is a message that's come through, unsigned, unfortunately, um, but on SMS for you, Kalita. Um, this person says, Kalita's story is amazing. What an inspiration. What a challenge it, ma- it may have been and for must have been. Um, was the father and uh, was the father also helpful and accepting? So let's start by saying, my son was blessed and I was blessed with the most incredible, incredible father. Um, it's a, it was a journey for both of us. It wasn't sure. just a journey for me. Every single part of the journey was him and me deciding things together. Him and me going through these feelings. And we have different, and we had different feelings at, at, at certain moments. So we had certain experiences where we were going through the same experience and feeling different feelings. So very often my husband would feel I'm doing everything I can to help my son in the long run. And I would just sob and say, my son's going into surgery, I'm heartbroken. So, I'm, you know, so, so, so personally... made you closer. We, about what this, uh, what but we're very lucky to be still married because there's lots of... It's, it's, it's very, very, very challenging on a marriage. It's very unexpected and it's something that you have to deal with every second of the day. And your whole world becomes that child who's having a challenge. And your whole world becomes... And your whole... You, well, every second of your day becomes a, th- this child that's struggling with eating, struggling with health, struggling with infections, dealing with a surgery, post-op, pre-op, and it's very, very challenging on a marriage. Um, my husband also embraced it. He deals with things in, you know, in, in a different way. I'm very outspoken. He's he's not, but he fed in the middle of the night. He gave medication. He was in that surgery. He was next to us during surgery. So both participants as yeah. participating parents. And I'm very, very grateful. We were, we were both participating and, and not everyone has the benefit of, of having that partner. And I'm grateful that I did because mm-hmm. we got to deal with it together. And at the moments where I was weak, I was struggling. He was there. And when the, at the moments where he just couldn't cope anymore, I was there. Um, and that's the joy of having the two of us in and it. And that's what marriage and parenting should be. Should be. Yeah. But not all, you know, not all parents who deal with kids with differences can cope in the same way or can cope at all. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. I have uh, Hedley Lewis. He's the CEO of the Smile Foundation and Kalita Hoffman. She's a blogger and a mom of two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old Raziel, who was born with a unilateral cleft palate. Did I get that? And lip. Okay, so uh, you can get to her blog. Just uh, go and get a pen and paper if you if you want to write down her blog, uh, her blog details. We're going to ask her for those in a little while. If you want to send in any messages, you're welcome to three four five one nine. That's a text line on SMS, or you can send a message on uh, Telegram on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Hedley, I want to talk to you about the Smile Foundation. Why did it start? When did it start? So we've been around close to 20 years. Yes. Um, most people think that this is a cliche, but 
Truthfully, the president at the time was Nelson Mandela, and Madiba got a, a postcard, a message, no emails at the time, from her mother that was just desperate for needs because her child had a facial paralysis. And this specific paralysis, there was no skill in South Africa to actually adhere to. And now, originally, the um, the Lubner family, being Mr. Mark Lubner, actually uh, took it upon himself to work with Madiba to bring the skills to South Africa. Originally, they were going to send Tando to America, where the experts were. But then Madiba and Madiba's style decided, no, everything needed to happen Tando in South being Africa. the child. Tando. With a, with Tando. A and uh, the child was helped in South Africa. Um, and the reason for it was Madiba wanted to know that that skill was going to remain in South Africa as opposed to Tando being one and then who was going to help the rest. Okay. And it's funny because Smile is well known for clefts, but that's not what we was the first surgery. The organization really evolved into clefts, burns, and other reconstructive surgeries for children between the ages of 0 to 18. Our mandate is to help within government academic hospitals. There are two reasons. One is Madiba said, let's help with, a, with, a, with those that can't afford it. And as one of the previous MECs says, is to help patients regardless of the depths of their pockets. Um, and also why academics is that then any skills that may come can come into the academics arena. So, so there was a dual reason. Our organization also supports the family with psychology, speech, OT, just to name a few of the things that Kalita is in the journey because, as most people think, it's not just that surgery. And the humble surgeons that we deal with every day were constantly saying, don't think I'm the only one in this party. Wow. And then, obviously, we do a lot of skills development to augment what the academics are already doing, infrastructural development, and then the awareness is part of what we do around it as well and that advocacy um, to get the word out there, to get that opportunity to communities to say it's not a broken child, there's an opportunity. But if you don't reach out, you, you cannot get that assistance. So, I mean, one of the things Smile's done is we've launched an app that, pe that is purely just for a referral system. So communities, policemen, other NGOs, government can carry it, and you can really download it, and it's free on go both the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. Um, and it's just to get the word out there that this helps. A big myth is, first of all, I'm not a surgeon. So I, I sit here with, with knowledge, but none of it is, is based on medical. But the key thing is that I, that I do it because I love what I do. And the cause is close to my heart. And with, with that in mind, the, the one message that I always tell South Africa is that everyone has the, child to, has the opportunity to change a child's life. And all it is is really one call or one message. So, so you can actually anything, get to your website. Right. Websites smilefoundation.org.co.za. That's how you get in touch with uh, Hedley Lewis. Go and make a donation. Go and get involved and go and learn about what they do. It's incredible, the organizations that we have that support South Africans. And uh, Kalita, how do we get hold of you on your blog? So my blog is called What the Cleft. Um, there were many moments <laughs> where I thought, what the cleft? <laughs> and that's my blog. I speak about cleft. I speak about my journey. I speak about parenthood. I speak about differences. And I encourage people to speak up about theirs and embrace their differences. Um, I've got a web page that's www.whatthecleft.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as What The Cleft. But all the links are on that page. Yep. So What The Cleft. And if you <laughs> don't remember one thing today, remember <laughs> that. And uh, thank you so much to Kalita Hoffman for sharing your story and your experiences. Thank really, you so I much really for having I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much, Hedley Lewis, no friend, no, uh, no stranger to High FM. And, uh, yeah, don't be a stranger. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you very, very much. Heli is the CEO of the Smile Foundation. From myself, Kathy Kayla, stay well, God bless, and I'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.